Love Talk Radio. And welcome to the official Redbird Rants podcast. My name's Josh McDonald, and I will be filling in as host tonight for the great Dr. Miles. Um, we got a special show tonight because instead of having to listen to Tito drone on like you've been stuck doing the last couple podcasts, you're going to listen to a few new guys. Uh, tonight, Christian is, I believe, his second podcast. Christian, uh, how are you doing tonight? I'm doing great, man. It's nice to see the Cardinals taking up another win. That is that is that is very nice to see, especially after yesterday. Um, Larry, you're making your debut on the podcast. Are you ready? I'm excited to be here, man. Yeah, you know, it's it's a lot of fun. I will say that. Uh, we got a lot to talk about. Uh, Dan's going to be joining us later once he gets done with the meeting. It's really nice to see where his priorities are. I mean, come on. And uh, Ryan. You're also making your debut. How are you doing tonight? I'm doing pretty well. Not too happy the Cubs are winning right now because I want that NL Central, but I'm doing great otherwise. Glad to be here. Yeah, that's um, that's where, where I think we're going to start. Now, if anyone is listening live right now, feel free to call in. Uh, we'll try and get you through. Dr. Miles is screening calls right now, so if you have any questions you'd like answered, Give us a call. Otherwise, we're going to jump right into it. And, guys, I'm just going to start off with the first topic. We're heading to the Windy City this weekend. That's a pretty big deal, especially if the Cubs hold on and win tonight, given they're facing one of the worst teams in baseball, so it wouldn't be a shock. So I'm going to start with Christian. What are your thoughts going into this weekend? Um, Well, I think, obviously, this is a pretty important series. I mean, historically, this season, the the Cardinals still have not been too great on the road against the divisional rivals. But there is a reprieve in that uh, we have that extra four-game series uh, from the 25th to the 28th. So while this series is, is really important, and I think the Cardinals have a great chance considering the momentum that they've been building off of, it's also not something that the Cardinals or we as fans need to panic of if the Cubs take two of two of three suddenly or three of even three of three because there's still that big series and there's still a series at the end against Milwaukee where we have the ability to really decide our own destiny. Yeah, those are good points. Um, I I think I might err to the side of caution of the potential Cubs taking three of three, um, but. Let's go over to Larry. What what do you uh, make of this weekend series? Well, the thing I'm interested in really is, you know, the Cubs are looking at kind of a a different Cardinals team, right? I mean, I mean, <laughs> they're they're playing Memphis 2.0, right? So, so it's kind of it'll be really interesting to see which uh, which aspect of this throws which team more off balance. Does the does the pressure of the big time uh, series? throw the youngins of the Cardinals more off balance or does the surprise factor of 
the Cubs may be seeing some of these guys that they don't have a tremendous amount of experience seeing throw the Cubs a little bit more up, Helen. I'm really, really curious to see which way that, that way plays. I don't know what you guys think. You know, that's a really good point that it's hard to see this team as it was the last time they, they faced off because this really is Memphis 2.0. We have essentially almost every single productive person from Memphis down that up with the team, which is impressive that Memphis is still actually doing so well. Um, <laughs> yeah. I I feel bad for Stubby because he did such a great thing. And then we kind of just vultured all his players. Uh, let's go ahead and go to Ryan. Ryan, big, big series this weekend. What do you think? Um, I have the the bullpen circled for this series. Um, traditionally, when the Cardinals and Cubs face off towards the end of September, the games are always close between Chicago and St. Louis, but they get way closer towards the end of the year. And uh, the Cardinal bullpen is of utmost importance this this uh, weekend. So I have Juan Nicasio needs to have a big series towards the back end, as does Tyler Lyons, because the starting pitching has been really good so far, but a team like the Cubs is not going to be a pushover in the late innings like a team like the Reds or even the Pirates might be. So the bullpen needs to have a weekend of the year. You know, I'm glad you mentioned the pitching. Uh, we, I'll touch on the bullpen in a little bit, but I want to start with the – the pitching matchups we're going to see this weekend. I don't think as a fan, you could hope for a better group to go up to Chicago outside of potentially Luke Weaver starting, but I think that may be asking too much of him. So Christian, I'll go back to you. The matchups this weekend, it looks like we're going to be seeing Lackey, Hendricks, and Quintana. Uh, I'm not 100% on the order, but we're bringing out Lynn on Sunday, Waka on Saturday, and Carlos tomorrow, I believe. What? Who do you give the edge to and why? Uh, well, I mean, I got to give it to the Cardinals. Uh, looking at it, I love Carlos. I mean, he's got a great deal of talent. I think more than any um, anybody in that uh, Chicago dugout. And quite frankly, I, if I'm to believe what ESPN is saying, he's going against Lackey. So with how shaky Lackey has been, I think, and with how things have just gone for the Cardinals winning, like basically I think it's now nine of the last 11 or something like that. Uh, I mean, they are just on a roll. So, I mean, this is a great place to keep it up. Uh, the next one, if you have Waka out there. I mean, I really – they're probably going to have Hendricks, and I just don't think Hendricks is that great of a pitcher. I mean, he's a he's got great control, but at the end of the day, when you're throwing like 86 mile an hour with not the best breaking ball, there's only so much you can do. So I just, I mean, talent-wise, you got to think the Cardinals have it. Momentum-wise, you got to think they have it too. It's really just dealing with playing on the road against a divisional rival in such a big game. All right, Larry. Same question. What do you think of the pitching matchup this weekend? Um, I like the I like the Friday matchup from about the fourth inning on, and I like Sunday. Um, you know, Carlos has just got to get through the first three innings of of the game, right? I mean, he has to he has to show that he can he can come out and look like you know C Mark from the beginning, 
and not from, you know, inning, you know, 2.2. He's, uh, it, it, it's almost inexplicable, you know, it may be that he's too hyped up. I don't know what you guys think. He had seemed to vanquish that last year somewhat, um, but he seemed to be back in that mode. But it, So I would say if the game is close on Friday after the first several innings, I, I think it plays to our, uh, our advantage. On Sunday, I know Quintana rounded into shape a little bit the last time or two, but he has not had a um, – he has not had a consistent approach um, since he came over uh, from the south side. And, and so I like our chances very much on Sunday. Saturday I'm a little less uh, comfortable about. Yeah, I think that Kyle Hendricks kind of gets a little bit of a bad rap to an extent just based on his slight fall off. But I don't think a lot of people expected him to even be as good as he is this year because I do believe last year was kind of an anomaly that he had way too good of stats, but he seems to be a pretty consistently solid pitcher. Uh, Ryan, we the series, Carlos, Waka, Lynn, what do you think? I'm most interested to watch Carlos Martinez. Um, as is fairly common knowledge, he absolutely owns Chris Bryant. Uh, to the tune of a career 433 OPS against. And he also interestingly owns Javier Baez, 429 OPS against. And so I'm interested to see if if that changes at all this weekend. But other than that, I like Carlos on Friday. Uh, He has turned into a bit of a big game pitcher. His complete game shutout against San Diego two weeks ago, and then the big six innings against Pittsburgh last weekend kind of confirm that for me. And this is as big a, as big a game and as big a series as he'll pitch all season long. So I like Carlos on Friday. I think Saturday is the iffiest of the three games just because I don't feel particularly confident in Michael Waka right now, although his last start was fantastic against uh, Cincinnati, I think, on Mon- on Tuesday. Or I don't know when it was, but last his last start was good. Yeah, I've I've been very uh, vocal about my concerns about Waka through the years, but through this year, just based on the the shoulder concerns and last year. But I, if I I have to say I trust him a little bit, uh, just based on his stats this year. I really expected some shoulder problems, but you know those haven't come about. I'm hoping I'm not jinxing anything here. Um, just before we I slide this over to discussing the importance of the bullpen this weekend. I do want to remind our listeners, if there's anyone out there right now, if you're listening live and want to call in, the number is 917-932-1739. Guys, I I believe it was uh, Ryan who alluded to it earlier. He's looking at the bullpen for this weekend. If it wasn't, I apologize. There's a lot of you in here. Um, the first thing I, I feel like I would like you guys to just kind of focus on a little bit is Juan Nicasio. He gets plucked from the Phillies for essentially a guy who was never going to be anything, but now he's our closer. We talked about it last week on the podcast. I actually brought the question up, and it not Trevor, Tito, or Dr. Miles, seem to think that Nicasio should be the closer. 
Well, he is, and he's doing a very good job. Larry, what do you make of that? Uh, you mean, do I think he should be the closer? I, do you, what do you make of just them throwing him into the closer's role after he hadn't been in that situation at all this year and his his success there? You know, you know, Juan Nicasio, he's a puzzler to me, man. I mean, he's got he's got an incredibly live arm. He um, he has had a great year. Um, I think. Correct me if I'm wrong. I think his ERA stayed in the twos most of the year. Um, and the one thing that he has shown this year that he hasn't shown in previous years is a little bit better whip, right? I mean, he <laughs> that that's not a guy who has uh, who has shied away from walks in the past. Um, he, um, so, so I'm impressed, but I'm also cautious because, you know, as the, as the pressure mounts, you know, people tend to revert to their more, um, their more historical norm. Uh, and it's not like this is a guy who's just been around for a year or two, you know, and he's finally found it. This, this to me came a little bit out of, uh, modestly out of short left field. And, and so I worry a little bit about his ability to command the play and, and keep consistent on it uh, in the ninth inning. So that would be my main worry. Yeah, I, I have to agree a little bit with you there. I, I, I originally thought of Nicasio slotting into the closer situation as just out of necessity a little bit because I think that there was a lot of pressure on Tyler Lyons while he was also doing very well. I think Nicasio's numbers on the year kind of spoke for themselves and they should give him a shot and they ended up doing it. Now, you do have to look at the history of the player because Juan Nicasio really was not much of anything until he got to Pittsburgh and worked with their incredible pitching coach. Right. So, Ryan, what do you make of the Nicasio situation? I thought it was well, first off, I was really surprised by the deal because I'd been under the impression that after August 31st passed, there could be no more deals. And so suddenly one day I get an announcement that, hey, Juan Nicasio's here. And I was like, well, that's fantastic, but how? That's completely unrelated, but still, I was surprised he came. But after getting over the initial, like, well, how is he here? my reaction was, well, he's got to go to the bullpen. The 2017 regular season, he, over the course of the season, would rank second in ERA, second in whip. His strikeout rate is in the mid to high 20s. Right now, among available Cardinal relievers, he has the second highest strikeout rate behind Tyler Lyons. It's, I think it's necessity that he goes to the closer role strictly because nobody else has been able to get the job done back there. They haven't really give, given Tyler Lyons uh, an opportunity, but he strikes me as more of like the Andrew Miller type of pitcher that you can deploy in the seventh, in the eighth, in the sixth to put out fires, and he can get you a strikeout if you need it in a jam, or he can bridge the gap of one or two innings if you need it. And Nicasio is that big power arm that you can lock in late in the game. No, I, I really like the comparison there. Uh, I I really, really like that, actually, just not in terms of their stuff, but just the role I think that Tyler Lyons could fill. I think that the Andrew Miller role makes a lot of sense. And to your point about the trade, I'm not going to lie to you. I still don't understand how he's on the team. 
All I know is he can't be on the playoff roster. I don't get so it either. It's it's one of those things that I'm never going to understand. I'm just happy to have him. Christian, I uh, I don't I know you probably don't like being last now since you've been going first, but I would still like <laughs> to get your opinion on Nicasio. Uh I mean, I think he definitely has a prototypical build for a closer. Um, when you're looking at him compared to, say, a Lions, um, the thing that really catches my eye is on the four-seam fastball, Nicasio this uh, this year has forced something like nine point one one percentage of his uh, fastballs resulted in in, in uh, whiffs. Whereas you have Tyler Lyons, whose primary pitch, is, whose fastball has really is only a six point eight six percent. So I think that just that pressure of a strikeout pitch, I think that as everybody's been saying, I think that velocity is really uh, important in that regard. And I just think that I don't know if Tyler Lyons, I mean, has that mental build for the ninth inning. I mean, no matter how talented pitchers are, there are just some out there who just aren't like, there's just something with pitching in the ninth inning. There's, there's just something that does not quite click with them. So and I think Tyler Lyons might be one of the guys at the end of the day who, when it really comes down to it, uh, he just doesn't, he won't have that real mental grit combined with that real pressure pitch that can get us out of a situation. So I really, I think Nicasio at this point is probably the best option just based on all of that. So without spending too much time on it, just a yes or no question or for you guys uh, real quick. With Nicasio's performance and if he keeps it up, would you be okay with offering him a two-year, $12 million deal in the offseason? Let's just start with Larry. I, I mean, that's a, a two-year deal is, is reasonably safe. Again, again, I just don't think that you should assume that you're going to get everything that you got this year. Um, but, you know, that that deal as opposed to the the awful, terrible, disgusting Brett Cecil deal um, you know, doesn't seem to me to be um, to be way out of the realm of um, uh, 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 of hurt from a from a cost perspective. So yeah, my answer would be, you know, two years, twelve million. I'd be fine with that. Uh, Ryan, what do you think? I would say no. I think one year is the max that you should go on it with uh, him being thirty-one years old. And you got all sorts of arms coming up from the minors. Alcantara is here right now. Um, Dakota Hudson's on the way. Gallon, Junior Fernandez, all sorts of arms down there. I wouldn't want to tie up two years to a guy that you'd be paying through his age 33 season. That's, that's a good point. I cannot deny the fact that the Cardinals do seem to have a surplus of arms right now. Uh, Christian, what do you think? Yeah, I'm going to have to say that one year is probably the max in this case, too. I mean, especially since we have Alex Reyes coming back, hopefully, from Tommy John next year, and we're assuming that he will try to make at least an impact probably toward the end of the year when he gets really back in the groove. But, yeah, there's just a huge surplus of arms, and knowing Mike Matheny, I mean, if he's still around, who knows what he's going to do. Yeah, Mike Matheny – I don't want to spend too much time on him, just considering. I know we've talked about him a lot. Um, My main concern with the call-ups was just how many bullpen pieces they were giving him to play with, and I think that's pretty dangerous for him. 
But I think I've spent a fair amount of time just talking about stuff. So I'm going to, Christian, I'm going to give you the opportunity now to throw out a topic and see where we go. All right. Well, the topic that I personally had in mind is one I wrote an article about recently, and that's uh, Luke Voigt. Um So there's news that came out that uh, Martinez is going to start playing at – practicing at first base over the, uh, over the off season. I mean, ever since he's come up, it's Voigt that's been getting put on the bench. Uh, I, he's been – he was struggling a little bit. Uh, he's right now at 250. Um, so, but, I mean, he's 26. He's shown a great deal of power, and I, honestly, he's shown a decent amount of fielding upside too. But, I mean, if they're going to really work out Martinez at first base and keep guys like Piscotti and Fowler in the outfield, I mean, what do you think the organization thinks of Voight, and what should they do with him? Uh, you know, just we'll from – just – oh, go ahead. Go ahead. Oh, I, was gonna, I was just going to see who we should start with, but go ahead. I'll, I'll, I'll start it off. Um, I – I agree that Luke Voigt seemed to show some flashes, but I think flashes don't get you a whole lot, unfortunately. Uh, I hope to see him still in the organization because I think he could serve a purpose, but not in the very immediate future, I don't think, just based on what Jose Martinez has done this year. I think Jose has really kind of cemented his spot on this team next year because he's had such a good offensive year. If they spend the entire off season working on his defense and they get him to just be a little bit over average, they have a they have a big time weapon there that they can involve more often because we've seen how clustered the outfield is and it's a problem if you can find other at bats for jose martinez you're not you're not going to be hurting yourself by any means now luke voigt's younger he clearly does still have options though so you could still send him down next year but i think that that might cause a bit of a rift for him after being up with the team for so long I think we have to wait and see how things shake out in the off season because I am of the belief that changes are coming because they cannot realistically do much with the roster as it's laid out at the, at this point in time. But that's just me, uh, Larry. What do you what do you think? I mean, honestly, if 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 Jose Martinez is on the team and and they've concluded that he's not much use in the outfield then I have a real hard time figuring out what roster spot is is available to Luke Boyd. Um, you know, he he is a one-position one guy. He's a banger. Um, he's a banger from the right side as opposed to Matt Adams. Um, you know, he has not tested enough to know that he can step into a season and produce over the course of a full major league season at a high level. Uh, Jose Martinez is, yes, he is older but he's also at least shown over a reasonably, you know, lengthy period of stretch of time over a season now that he's capable. So, yeah, I agree he has options. I think he would go to the minors. He certainly could be part of a deal. We know that we know that deals are coming, um, you know, so would a trade of Luke Voigt bother me in the slightest if somebody thought that he was a reasonable component of a multiplayer deal? 
No, that wouldn't bother me at all. All right. Uh, Ryan, what do you think? I think if you took this situation and completely put it in a vacuum and turned it into just Luke Voigt versus Jose Martinez, I think the answer is pretty easy, pretty clear cut in favor of Jose Martinez. He's been clearly better this season, 141 weighted runs created plus versus 93 for Luke Voigt. Martinez slugging 546. I mean, match him up one-to-one, and Jose Martinez wins in every offensive category and every production category. However, my biggest question with this situation is you can't put it in a vacuum of just Luke Voigt versus Jose Martinez because assuming Jed Jerko, like Larry mentioned earlier today on the blog, comes back next year to play third, what do you do with Matt Carpenter? If Matt Carpenter presents enough value over at first base, now you're looking at giving him the position, and now you have two floating options between Martinez and Voight. So if the Cardinals go that way, I'm inclined to look to trade Jose Martinez to an American League contender that can DH him and get his bat in the lineup for 600 plate appearances because that could have real value over in the American League. And then you're looking at a situation where Luke Voigt does have a little bit of a niche on the roster as a backup first baseman when Jerko needs a rest and Carpenter moves over to third or Carpenter moves to second. But if you're putting this strictly in a vacuum of Luke Voigt versus Jose Martinez, I think the answer is pretty clear in Jose Martinez, and you either send down Luke Voigt or look to trade him in an offseason package. Can I ask a question about that? Um, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, do you think um, – who, who do you think has more – more value in a in a in a deal between uh, Carpenter and Martinez, and who would you more who would you prefer to trade between Carpenter and Martinez? I think Matt Carpenter absolutely has far more value than Jose Martinez because he has shown an ability to produce at an elite level over the mm-hmm. course of five major seasons. However, I sure. would be more inclined to trade Jose Martinez because. Matt Carpenter fills a void on the roster that the Cardinals don't really have, and that's a guy that can get on base at a high level. Jose Martinez's mm-hmm. skill is driving the baseball, and I think between DeYoung and now Dexter Fowler, Grichuk, Tyler O'Neill coming up, the Cardinals have other guys that can drive the ball, but they don't have anyone else like Matt Carpenter that can get on base at a level that he does. Right, well, I'm I, this year, but as we know, oh, go ahead. Go ahead. Oh, I was just going to tag on to that because I believe I am in the minority in this situation because I I do agree Matt Carpenter has more value just based on his stats that he's put up through his career. But I think that Matt Carpenter should be the one that the Cardinals look to move. And it's nothing against hmm. Matt Carpenter. I would always take Matt Carpenter on this team. The problem with Matt Carpenter is he doesn't really have a position. He can play third, he can play second, and he can play first. He doesn't play any of them relatively well. He's serviceable at all of them, I'd say. Now, if you can get an AL team that could use a guy who can float around but can also spend a fair amount of time at the DH, I think that is a very good option for the Cardinals to look into. But, again, I really do think I'm in the minority on that. 
Is there, Larry? What do you? Think? Uh, no, I'm with you on that one, brother. Totally, totally with you on that one. What about you, Christian? Uh, yeah, I would say that's probably the best idea. Other than the fact that um, if you don't have a lot of depth at first base, then there's really not a lot of rest you can give. But if you can find just a little bit more, if you can find like one more body that can just sort of fill in every once in a while, then yeah, by all means, I think that Carpenter would be the guy you would trade. All right, so what I'm going to do real quick, uh, we're going to go into our first break. Uh, when I come back, uh, let, we'll slide it over to a new topic. Uh, we'll see. Um, Larry, get your yep. uh, thoughts ready because we're going to go to you once we're back. This is going to be our first break of the official Redbird Ranch podcast. Stick with us. All right. Thanks for sticking with us. You are listening to the official Redbird Ranch podcast. Guys, we've talked a lot about the Cubs and about the roster and a few things, but Larry, I'm going to slide it over to you. You got a topic ready for us? I do. Uh, I want to get first. Oh, first of all, since I lived in Cleveland for five years, I got to shout out props to the Indians. Isn't that amazing? I'm just so oh, I'm just so turned on what they've been able to do. I love Tito. I love the team. You know, if we're not in the series, I definitely want to see them there. So go in. Yeah. So, um, yeah. So here's what I want to talk about. So I'm going to get totally ahead of ourselves and assume we're in the playoffs now, and assume we get through the wildcat game, and we have to shape a roster for the rest of the um, the rest of the playoffs, or let's say at least for the first for the first series. So we're sitting right now with 33 guys on the expanded roster, and that doesn't include Wayno, right? So, so you can look at. We, and we've got to get it down to 25. And you can see some guys who have come up, you know, recently who aren't likely to make a roster. You're likely to see uh, Alcantara not, you know, make a roster. Uh, Flaherty's been inconsistent, so we don't really know that he would. Uh, we don't know about Gant. Um, Nicasio, only, only, I guess, if we had a petition that the commissioner accepted, which we'll, we'll assume for now is highly unlikely. Um, and then, oh, and then we move over to catchers. We have the third catcher, Rosario, who won't be there. We move over to the infield. Maybe we say Alex Mejia won't be there. And then uh, on the outfield, uh, you know, I think we can probably guess, not for sure, but probably guess Sierra, despite his speed, you know, won't be there. If they were going to choose just a, a, a super speedy guy, uh, you know, I'm guessing Bader's probably ahead of him from a um, from a, um, uh, a hitting mature hitting perspective, my qu- my question to you guys is how do you how do you look at the playoff roster and you know for the for the rest of the guys I haven't mentioned, you know who who are the marginal ones and who are the ones who are in, you know is you know you may have to evaluate a Gritchick versus a a Bader or you may have to evaluate a Voight, um, and you certainly have the guys who have been fringe on the on the pitching staff, who have been up and down, like Tui, um, uh, Brian Sheriff. I'm curious what you guys think about who has the most likelihood of making a playoff roster and who has the least likelihood of making a playoff roster. I don't know the order. Let's uh, start with – oh, go ahead. No, I was just going to say we can go ahead and start with Ryan on that one. Huh?
sounds like we're having a little connection issues there. Uh, Christian, how about you hop on first? value in having uh, sort of a hired gun that you can pull off the bench, call into a late game, and can steal a base for you, a la Gerard Dyson or mm-hmm. Quentin Barry, somebody like that. And so I think you kind of took Sierra and we're like, uh, we can assume he's not going to make the roster. And I understand that. But I'm thinking now that's an interesting facet to be able to have on this team. And if you roll in with obviously the outfield stacked right now between Grichik, Piscotti, Fowler, Pham, Martinez, Bader, and Sierra. So his odds look extremely long, but uh, I'm I just talking myself Bader out of it right now. Fast, you know? Yeah, you I'm talking days. myself out of it right now. <laughs> I would say well, that I mean, you go for it. Go I would it. say that neither Fowler. I would say that neither Bader or Sierra makes. What about in the other positions? Any surprises? Sure. Uh, Jose Martinez, probably, and Tommy Pham. All right. Uh, Christian, what's your take on this topic? Hmm. So I think that some guys that are interesting to think about, obviously, like you were saying, I think Sheriff, um, I think he's definitely one of the more interesting fringe candidates. I mean, numbers-wise, you don't see it, obviously, but I mean, you watch him pitch. He just—I do think he definitely—he has what it takes. Um, but obviously, I'm just not sure if that's what Matheny is looking. I mean, I'm not sure what Matheny is really looking for. Uh, I don't see a guy like Flaherty making it. Guys like Gant, I don't see making it. I think I would put Tui. I would take Tui over Bowman, but I would see Matheny going Bowman over Tui. Um, who else is kind of fringe? Uh, I I don't think Boyd's going to make it. Um, yeah, like, like I was saying before, I think the, the Sierra idea is very intriguing, but I, I just don't think that Matheny is going to think like that and stick that on. So I don't think Sierra is going to make it. Um I think, I mean, Bader, I don't know. I really, Bader is tough. I think he should make it, and I think he'll probably be one of the last guys. But, I mean, I also wouldn't be surprised if he does, if like he doesn't make it and a guy like Greg Garcia does, and it makes you want to bang my face against the wall because I know how much Matheny <laughs> loves that guy. Yep. Um, it's, yeah. I, I, use, I mean, you got to see Carson Kelly. I mean, in terms of value, I mean, obviously, probably not, but just you have to have Carson Kelly in terms of necessity. Right. Um, let me think. And then other than that, I mean, I don't think – I don't see, like, a guy like Mike Mayer is making it. Um, obviously, a guy like – guys like Jed Jorko are going to make it. Guys like Paul DeYoung are going to make it. Um, Grichuk, what about I Wayno? will make it. Wayno. I mean, just off of – I just – just off of legacy, it just—I mean—it sort of just depends on how his health rounds out. But if he's anywhere near ready to go, I think that they're going to put him on. Yeah, uh, just based um, off of who he is. I have to yeah. just like—I think my answer for this 
question fairly simple. I don't think you see too many surprises. Um, I think what you're going to see is, unfortunately, not a lot of the guys that have made us so successful over the last month. I think what (laughs) you're going to see is a lot of what we saw to begin the year. Outside of, I do believe Harrison Bader would be on the roster in that role of a speedy guy who can fill a need for the team that they don't really have. Um, But I do think that that is made easier by the seemingly shift of Jose Martinez becoming the backup first baseman to a sense. Um, I think that opens up an outfield spot a little bit. Mm -hmm. Outside of that, the only other surprise I think I could see position player-wise, I think, is Mejia. And I don't see that as a very high probability, but I think you can't deny his his glove is, you know, pretty impressive. It's one of the better ones that we have, just considering who we're playing out there, and that could be a late-inning addition. But unfortunately, what I think you're going to see is, like, no Jack Flaherty, no Luke Weaver. I don't know that he – because I think they would go with Wainwright, which – uh, is pretty upsetting to me. And in that situation, just considering the series, you might not even need that spot. But I have great news. Dan is off of his business call and decided to join us. Dan, how are you doing this evening? Hey, guys. How you doing? It's nice to have you, Dan. Uh, I hope uh, everything went well. But I'm glad it's to have you. It's that California uh, time. It's that California yeah. time. You accommodate their schedules. Yeah, I don't mess with that California time. I hate when the Cardinals are on the West Coast. Um, Dan, right now we're just kind of discussing the – we're getting a little ahead of ourselves, clearly, but a potential playoff roster. What we've seen lately is a very, very impressive group of young guys kind of doing a lot of the work right now, but you can't take all of them. Who of the young guys that you've seen come up do you think could be a surprise and make their way to the to the playoff roster? I think you could see Jack Flaherty be a late-inning guy. I, I think they like his stuff. I, I honestly don't think that he's ready, given his cup of coffee that he's had up here. He's got some control things to work out. I think he's not throwing loose like a relaxed guy that you would like to see. You know, he needs to make the step that Luke Weaver made from last year to this year. And then, you know, the, the other thing is I think people probably see this coming, but I'll make a little bit of a bold prediction. Your number three starter, I think, would probably be Luke Weaver rather than what people might think would be Waka. He's just he's pitching so lights out right now. If if there's no concern with the innings cap, he he may be the third starter. If it gets you know if we win the division, for example, and it's a, a three game outlook. Yeah, I I have to agree with you a little bit there. I would love to see Luke Weaver on there, but I do think his injury his in, not injury his innings might start to play more of a factor just considering where he's at. I don't know the exact numbers, but you have to assume he's at or above a career high. Um, but let's uh, let's slide over to a new topic. I believe we're up to Ryan. 
Ryan, do you have a topic for us? Uh, yeah. So we uh, briefly mentioned this on the group chat the other day, but Tyler O'Neill down at Memphis since coming over in the Marco Gonzalez deal on July 21st absolutely shredded everything in sight. Uh, he hit, I believe the number was 15 home runs. Uh, he's still with Memphis, still plays tomorrow for the Pacific Coast League Championship. He's hit 15 home runs in 42 games, slugging above 570 right now, just hitting the cover off the ball. For reference, he only he hit 19 home runs in 93 games at Tacoma before coming over to Memphis. So he is profiling right now very much like Randall Grichuk. And with the Cardinal outfield being so crowded going into next year between Pham, Piscotti, Fowler, Martinez, Bader, Sierra, O'Neal, you can throw him into that mix. Uh, Grichik, I think somebody's got to go. And in my estimation, it's between Tyler O'Neal and Randall Grichik. Personally, I would side with uh, looking to trade Grichik just because he's proven value at the major league level and thus would have more value to other teams. But I'm just looking for thoughts on the Tyler O'Neill situation and the glout of outfielders that the Cardinals have up at the major league level right now. All right, I'm going to hop in on this first so I can get this out of the way. <laughs> I am a unabashed Grichik lover, and I do not even kind of understand how he constantly comes up in these without me bringing him up. It's crazy. <laughs> Um, but as an unabashed Grichuk lover, I do have to agree. Um, I think that he would yield, uh, maybe not a great deal, but just based off his potential still that's there, he's not old by any means. He's still a fairly young guy who's got a lot ahead of him and he still hits bombs. If somebody can get him to have a little bit better eye at the plate, which I still contend that whoever we trade him to would do that because he would not have to spend any time with John Mabry. Uh, I think that he could be very successful, but to the, to the main point, Tyler O'Neill has been impressive. I am absolutely stunned that the Mariners traded him. I think that they were just so desperate to make a move for a pitcher who now, given I don't follow the Seattle Mariners because I have better things to do with my life, um, I haven't seen if Marco's done anything. I just can't even begin to understand this trade. I really feel like the Cardinals fleeced Jerry Depoto because this guy seems like he's something extremely special. I think they got a little disappointed in his struggles at the beginning of the year in AAA, but he was going up from AA. I think that needs to be an expectation a little bit. But the guy is absolutely crushing the ball lately. I want to say it was like four home runs in his last six games in in the PCL uh, uh, playoffs. I could be off on that. But I am absolutely 100% in on Tyler O'Neill. But that just leads to the bigger issue of trying to make the move to clear up this unbelievably messed up roster that we have somehow pieced together and have gotten to a position where we could still potentially make the playoffs. 
Um, but I'm going to go ahead and slide it over to Dan because, well, he's gotten the least amount of talking time from, uh, compared to everybody since even though, you know, it was him that joined late, Dan. I'm, I'm not going to let you get, get by with that. I'm still going to give you some trouble. Just because Tito's not here it doesn't mean I can't give somebody some trouble. But, Dan, <laughs> what do you think about the Tyler O'Neill situation? So, hey, I, listen, I, I agree. I'm excited about Tyler O'Neill. He's the hot new toy, right? Um, I think we we got rid of Marco, and the organization wasn't going to use him. He was killing it in AAA. Every time he came up for a cup of coffee, he kind of blew it. One interesting fact about Tyler O'Neill, and then I'll answer the other part of the question about the glut of outfielders. His BABIP this year, I know there's some uh, some – war people, some advanced saber manut heads on the call and maybe listening, is 280. I don't know if anybody knows that. O'Neal's? O'Neal's BABIP this year combined (laughs) with the Mariners and the Cardinals is 280, which is crazy. My guess is probably about 30 points below below the average in the minors. So, dang. The numbers say there's probably some some room for growth there, so look out next year. As to the glut of outfielders, I don't think it's as bad as people make it out to be. Uh, Bader, I honestly don't think is ready. He's got to cut down on his whiff rate. He's he's even though I like it, he's too aggressive. Sierra, I think you know, lit it up up here, but he's he's an easy answer to keep down in the minors for another year, maybe even two of seasoning. What you've really got to figure out is, is the organization going to take Tommy Pham seriously? And they absolutely should. And the odd person out has to be one of Fowler, Gritchick, or Piscotty. I, I am the other unabashed Gritchick lover. Um, I may not have made it as clear, and I hope, you know, Tito does not, you know, unfollow me or something because of this, but... I, I like him too. I think he's he's got a better chance to figure it out and has more upside than you know maybe a high floor player like Piscotty. But I'll tell you, if there's any way to offload the Dexter Fowler contract, I mean, when he was signed, I was the guy who was like, okay, so we're going to give a guy ninety, eighty-five, ninety million bucks after a career year when he averages less than 140 games a year. I mean, he's been injured every season of his career, and that's that's come through this year as well. So, to me, he's the odd man out, and I understand that that is not a likely scenario. So, I would say, because we heard some rumors that he was being shopped at the trade deadline, you should not be surprised if Stephen Piscotti is on the block this winter. No, I have to 100% agree with you there. I think that if someone does go... Gritchick and Biscotti make the most sense, and I think that offloading, it's not a lot of money, but there's still more money being paid to Piscotti than there is to Gritchick. And to your point about Tito, him unfollowing you really isn't, you know, that big of a deal. He's not the, he's not a very big name. He's only a junior editor at Redbird Ranch. Um, let's slide over to Christian. What do you make of Tyler O'Neill and the outfield situation? Well, I mean, I think Tyler Neal has been doing as well as he could be. I mean, I'm going to have to agree with everybody, what everybody's been saying, as unoriginal as it sounds. I mean, I don't know why the heck the Mariners traded a dude with this much pop. Um, in terms of the outfield situation, I I was waiting for someone to mention Steven Piscotti because, I mean, I don't – 
he doesn't I don't think he gets a lot as much hate from Cardinal fans as this year he's deserved. I mean he's dude is hitting two forty one. I mean nine home runs. He's proven that he can play at the major league level. Uh I mean in the previous two years. So there garners trade value there. And uh like you guys said, uh he's a very high four floor player, so there are definitely gonna be takers. I mean, at the end of the day, I think he, Piscotti, has really got to be the odd man out, considering just how poorly he's played, considering that Grichik does have the potential to become that uh, power spark. I mean, it's really hard to argue that Piscotti should stay on the squad. I think I have been, uh, when it comes to Piscotti, I've given him a little bit of benefit of the doubt this year to how much of an extent – he should have it. I'm not sure, but I know he's been dealing with a lot family-wise, which is one of the reasons I think a trade would work out for him because we were shopping him to the athletics. And he's a West Coast guy being closer to his family. Might not be the worst thing in the world, but I'm not really sure how much of an effect it's truly had on him this year. If it has, then I completely understand it. Dealing with uh, medical issues with your mother is clearly uh, something that would hang on your mind a little bit. Um, but Larry had a lot of opinions. I still need yours. We, um, I don't think we know enough about Piscotti, which means I think other teams don't know enough about Piscotti. So, you know, you could, if you, if you're going to, if you're going to move him, you're moving him, you know, with the assumption that the value proposition is a risk, right? Because, like, you look at 15 and 16, and, you know, he was, you know, it, he, he was a pretty good OPS both years, really good one year, good the other year, and then he's fallen off this year, although even with a lower batting average, he's been able to maintain, you know, his on base about the same place that he did. And that gets back to my thoughts about O'Neill and Grichik. O'Neill was a... O'Neill's a no-brainer. I agree with what everybody said. I don't know why we got him. Um, I think maybe DePoto was on drugs that day or something. I'm not really sure. But but I think he's a no-lose proposition because, um, you know, if we if we deal him, he's a, he's a well-known prospect, and he's even shown more with us, right? So, so you know, he's on the rise. Um, you know, with Grichik, and, and I'll, 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 I'll call Grichik the guy who, you know, the – the, the player who is strong defensively and strong strong power-wise, and we still don't know after four years if he can manage the the outside slider or the high-pass ball consistently. Um, and the question there with the, with the on-base that drags is, you know, it's really important to know who he's going to be in the outfield with if you decide to keep him. You know, because I, I forget who said earlier on in this, in this in this call, you know, that we, we haven't had a lot of – oh, it was about keeping Carpenter, right? That we haven't had a lot of guys with super high on bases. You know, if you're keeping Grichik and you're planning on him being a major tool as part of the, as part of a starting lineup, you know, you better darn well know that you have guys in the lineup who can offset him uh, with higher on bases. And, you know, in my humble opinion, I don't think you can count on him as the three, four, five guy consistently because he because he just doesn't get on base very often. Now this is a team that uses Yachty in the pipe hole all the time, so you know who knows. But but 
But I don't. I, I think if you keep Gritchick, it's only because you believe you have other guys who can bet higher in the lineup who can get on base. You know, one of the reasons that I wrote a fairly silly column a few weeks ago about Fowler moving to first, you know, wasn't because I thought it was likely that Fowler would move to first. It was to clear up this this silly outfield question, but also to keep a fairly high on base guy, you know, in the lineup. You know, he he started the year, you know, um, poorly, but my goodness, I mean, the power is a big surprise, and he's gotten his on base up to a back to a really really nice level again. Um, so dependable in that regard, not as dependable health wise as was said. Um, those are my thoughts. I mean, on balance, I would say you're going to get the most value for Gritchick. Uh, you're going to get good prospect value for O'Neill. I don't think you're going to get great pro- great trade value for Piscotty right now. So even if you're going to keep him as a fourth outfielder, you know, hang on to him and see which way he progresses. I want to stick to the Fowler stuff just a little bit because Jennifer Langosh, uh, writer for the Cardinals for MLB.com, was on the Kevin Wheeler show on ESPN Radio in St. Louis today, and one of the quotes I saw from that was, no, the Cardinals don't have buyer's remorse on Dexter Fowler, but the fit isn't quite as good as they thought it was going to be. Does anybody just want to jump on that and make a few comments on it? Yeah. I uh, I wrote on the Dexter Fowler contract about, uh, I think, when Harrison Bader first got called up and in his first game he scored the, the walk-off run and everybody was going crazy over Harrison Bader and saying, get Fowler. Everyone was ready to run Fowler out of town. I wrote in defense of him saying that we had to evaluate the contract looking at it when it was signed. And so when it was signed, the Cardinals had – uh, Randall Gritchick coming off a down year in center, Piscotty coming off a down year in right, uh, Tommy Pham was an unknown, Harrison Bader wasn't a guy that you could count on, Magnaris Sierra was still at high A, and so when the contract was signed, it was a position of necessity. And so, yes, I think you look at that and say, no, we don't have buyer's remorse anymore because when we made the move, we needed it to happen and all these things have fallen into place after the move has happened. But I agree with the sentiment that it hasn't been as great a fit as they thought it would be because he hasn't slid into that leadoff role like they foresaw. Carpenter had to be moved out of the three-hole because he was hitting so bad and had to be put up into that leadoff role. He's been injured this season. Uh, He has played pretty poor defense in center field. He's been uh, worth negative, negative defensive war, according to baseball reference in center field. So I think the fit hasn't been ideal like they imagined, but I agree with the sentiment of not having buyer's remorse because it's still a valuable player. You know, I think you make a very good point. And I think even to extend on it, Major League Baseball is all about you know, who you can bring in to make you better. And unfortunately, a lot of the best guys are getting extensions and not hitting the free agency. So you saw the Cardinals miss out on David Price and then turn to Mike Leake because they knew they needed something. 
And unfortunately, thank God we missed David Price. <laughs> yeah, that that one that one could have hurt us quite a bit. Um, but fortunately for the Cardinals at the time, they got their top guy in Dexter Fowler. Unfortunately, things haven't panned out as much as everyone kind of hoped they would. But I think a lot of that has to do with you know injuries, which I believe people kind of needed to expect that to happen. Just because he played almost all the games last year, I believe, doesn't mean that's going to happen. He has such a history of injuries that, you know, they're going to come. But I don't think you can judge Dexter Fowler as a whole based on this year because he's had his ups and downs. But we've seen that where a guy can have a rough first year and then come out in second year and he's a completely different player again. He has accustomed himself to the city and the lineup and team, and he's a much better player. Christian, tell me if I'm wrong. Uh, I don't think you're wrong. What I think was wrong was just the approach to Dexter Fowler. Look, the dude is not a leadoff hitter. I don't care what people say. I don't care what he did last year or whatever. The dude is not a leadoff hitter. You look at his career numbers. I mean, he was in Colorado, a place where naturally you should be a better hitter. He was in Colorado for a good, uh, like, four or five years. And he was only able to manage over – he wasn't even able to – he was only able to manage over 275 one year. He's only been able to manage over, like, 275 three years. Hasn't, he's only been able to manage over 280 one year, and that year was in Colorado. At the end of the day, the dude is like a career 270 hitter with usually around 15 to 20 homers at most. And that's kind of generally where he's doing a little bit less. But, I mean, that's the kind of thing we should be expecting out of him. At the end of the day, he's a good player. But signing him to be a leadoff hitter was just completely asinine. You know, I think the contract is going to end up not looking – nearly as bad as I think some people think it will, just based on inflation, because there's some studs coming. Free agency over the next two, three years is going, unless they sign extensions, is going to boom. You're going to see multiple $30 million a year contracts, and if Bryce Harper hits free agency, which it looks like he will, you might see a 40. I, that still remains to be seen if that's actually going to happen, but it's a complete possibility so I don't think we can we can say that, you know, anything about, like, we spent too much money on him or anything like that because that's the nature of baseball. That's the nature of all professional sports, essentially. Unless somebody does something to get the contract lower, they're just going to continue to rise. But, Larry, I think we need to get your opinion on Dexter Fowler. I like – I mean, I just have a different feeling than that. I I actually like him – as a leadoff hitter, I think that a guy who can consistently, um, you know, hit anywhere between 350, 380 uh, from an on-base perspective, um, his, he's as consistent as the day is long on his OPS plus. I mean, the last five of the last six years have been between 109 and 120. He, um, you know, he'll have 20, 25 doubles. He'll have 10 to 15 home runs. Um, he'll score a bunch of runs. He's not stealing bases um, at a rate that's going to make you think he's Billy Hamilton. But, of course, he gets on base a lot more than Billy Hamilton um, and has a lot more power. I don't, I don't 
believe that he needs to be a leadoff hitter. Um, I think he is versatile in the lineup. Um, you know, the guy walks 60 or 80 times a year, and I think that's a very valuable commodity. Um, so, so I don't mind him at, at the leadoff, uh, but I also don't mind him at, at any, any, any place. Cleanup probably isn't his most ideal place, and we were forced into some tough decisions this year. Um, but, you know, one, two, or six, you know, are positions that I feel pretty comfortable with in that. All right, uh, Dan, I want to slide you in here. And then after we get Dan's opinion on this, uh, we're going to take our last break. So, Dan, what do you got? You know, I I think there's going to be a return to the mean in a good way for Dexter Fowler. You, You know, when you look at his numbers, I always like to look at not as much batting average, but is the OBP 100 points higher than the batting average? I think he's probably somewhere close to that. And he's been right about there for his career, too. So if he can stay healthy for even 140 games, I think he's an asset, even with the contract. Uh, I did want to mention one thing. I'm going to be remiss if I don't say it. We were talking about Tyler O'Neill. It's awesome that we got excited about Tyler O'Neill. I'm glad we did. But if you're excited about Tyler O'Neill, be excited about Patrick Wisdom. Their numbers are exactly the same. I mean, with, within a standard error of like .5, they're right there. And he's not even on the 40-man. So there's going to be some more roster decisions for us to scrutinize coming up. But I just wanted to give a little shout-out to uh, to Patrick Wisdom because he is Tyler O'Neill and he's been here the whole year doing it the whole year. All right. I think that's a good place to uh, slide into a commercial. Uh, stick with us. You are listening to the official Redbird Rants podcast. All right. And we're back. That's our last break, and you got another 30 minutes of us. So sit tight. I'm sure we have a lot more to come. Dan, do you have a topic for us to discuss? I do, and you just tell me if you've already talked about it because I was a little late. But the topic I want to discuss is Lance Lynn and whether he should come back. Have you talked about it? Nope, we have not. Okay, so here's the thing. Everybody made a big deal at the trade deadline about Sonny Gray. And I I did a deep dive on the numbers. And I know Sonny Gray excites people. Lance Lynn is a better pitcher than Sonny Gray. The stats show it. He's more consistent. And I love his mentality. I think he's a bulldog. His interviews are hilarious because he just gives gruff, one-word answers. And he is he's he's a gel to this team. That, and we don't realize it. So I think even if it's a five-year, even if it's the Mike Leak deal or maybe a little bit more money, I think Lance Lynn's got to come back. And, and that's where I would leave it to posit to the group. I can't say I disagree with you. Um, I think I've been utterly shocked at the lack of even interest, it seems, from the front office to sign him because everything we're hearing is they have no intention. They have no intention. They have six guys for five spots next year. It's been surprising to me the complete lack of interest there because I do agree with everything you said about Lance Lynn. Um, But Christian, what do you make? Uh, Well, I guess I got to go on record and saying I'm not, I'm a little bit biased. I'm not the biggest Lance Lynn fan just generally. I don't know what it is about him. 
I'm just, I just have never been the biggest fan. It just always seems like in those big moments when we really need someone to come through, he just never seems to be that guy to come through, especially in the playoffs. So, but in that regard, I think, I mean, he's a very consistent pitcher over the regular season, but you have to think some of the numbers that are concerning, like over the past couple of years, he's given up in between like seven, seven this year is a low number, but he's usually giving up a, close to nine hits per game on average. And he's also walking around three and a half people per nine on average too. So, I mean, he's consistent and he's good. There are things like, but I don't know if he's that guy that we really need to sign to a big deal, especially considering who the Cardinals are and that they just, they don't usually give those big deals to to guys, especially in the thirties. I mean, I just don't think that it's the correct move. All right, got a little different uh, side to it. That's always a good thing. Larry, do you want to jump in on this? Well, I mean, uh, there's, there, there, there's part of Dan's answer that I agree with, which is, I mean, until at least this year, the guy's numbers were as consistent as the day is long, right? I mean, you know, his hits per nine varied hardly at all. His, his walk virtually didn't vary on an annual basis. You know, his strikeouts started a little higher and went down a little, but they were still fine. This guy's fifth. I mean, from, you know, 2012 to 2015, I mean, the deviation was virtually nothing. So, you know, if you're looking for a guy who is, you know, either a, um, you know, a middle number two, you know, or a super strong number three, this is the guy, and that guy will get that money um, in this offseason, whether it's whether it comes from the Cardinals or not. And I think he will get the five years because he's only going to be what twenty eight, twenty nine, or he's thirty, right? So he'll get. But yeah, I think he'll get the five years. I, my problem is if if it's not an infinite universe in terms of expenditures, and I have to decide whether I want Lance Lynn taking my chance and roll the dice on the other six or seven guys and then maybe picking up, you know, a fifth fifth starter out of a couple of spring training invitees on the one hand and going for a more significant bopper that we can plug into the middle of the lineup. I I really want the bopper to plug into the middle of the lineup. And and I'm a huge Tommy Sam fan, but I want to see it proven, you know, for another year. This is a guy who obviously has significant eye issues and – want to make sure that it's not going to be a recurrence. Um, you know, Jose Martinez, you know, great, great hitter uh, this year. Um, you know, probably not somebody you can at this point build your team around. You know, do I, if I have to choose, you know, between signing a bopper to a long-term contract or signing a Lance Lynn to a long-term contract, I'm going to choose the bopper if I can get him or, or a trade for him where I have to assume his contract. That's where I stand right now. All right, Ryan, what's your take? I think um, Larry, I think whoever went last, Larry makes a great point. And I would be really trigger shy with Lance Lynn. I understand uh, what was said earlier, and I think it's a great point that he is a better pitcher than Sonny Gray. Um, Over the the course of, I guess you can call it a three-year peak for Sonny Gray between 2013, 2014, and 2015, he had 1.5, 3.1, and 3.8 uh, F war. 
and Lance Lynn's three-year peak, 3.7, 3.4, and 3.1. So I like the point that Lance Lynn is a better uh, pitcher than Sonny Gray over a much longer period of time. However, I am I'm inclined to let him walk in free agency just because of the amount of money that starting pitching is commanding now and the arms that are coming up through the Cardinal system. I would rather rely on the depth of uh, Flaherty, Weaver, Reyes. Obviously, Martinez is going to be there. Waka, Zach Gallen is coming. Um, Dakota Hudson is coming. Alcantara can still be a starter. Um, and then below that, you have Junior Fernandez and a few others. So I am inclined to be trigger shy on Lance Lynn and not give him the kind of deal that you gave Mike Lynn, Mike Leak, a five for 80, because I would rather the point of trading Mike Leak was to free up payroll to sign a bat or to be able to trade for a bat. And I don't want to take that payroll that was just freed up and reapply it to Lance Lynn, who could, who's already 31 and could very quickly become an albatross. Yeah, I'd like to expand on your point just a little bit and a little bit on Larry's as well because, just like you said, Mike Leake's trade was 100% to get him away from the team, essentially, and clear that money. And you cleared a very, very good amount of money there. Lance Lynn's numbers are going to be coming off the books. I believe after next year, Adam Wainwright's are going to come off the books. I don't think they should re-sign him, but given the Cardinals' propensity to give money to hometown guys, except for Albert Pujols, I do think that um, that's still a possibility. But just like you said, oh, there's a lot of young arms, and not just young arms, young outfielders, and these guys are not making much of anything. The Cardinals are in a very good position to potentially – make some very big moves going forward. These are moves like trading for Giancarlo Stanton, signing Manny Machado. These names are names that the Cardinals can actually think about because of the position that they're in right now. They can afford to spend extra because the TV money's coming. They've cleared money from these from some bad contracts, and they have young guys not making anything. This could be the time where the Cardinals finally – get that superstar that they haven't had since Albert Pujols made his way to L.A. So I 100% think that while I like Lance Lynn and I agree with everything Dan said, he is 100% a better pitcher than Sonny Gray. I think Sonny Gray is fairly overrated in my book, and I think that Lance Lynn is the epitome of consistency. But I'm ready to ride with the young guys. If that's just me... Let me just Anybody offer one thing, Josh, in response to what people are saying, and, and they're all great points and they're very good arguments. I think this is one of the tougher calls. For whatever reason, the, the front office is treating it like a, a foregone conclusion that he's not coming back. The impetus of me thinking we should resign him, even if it's $100 million over five years or four years with a mutual option for the fifth, is because those young arms that I think Ryan uh, pointed out said are on the way, they're in the pipeline. In my opinion, those arms are the most valuable assets in the organization. And if you can lock down a guy who I don't think is going to age that poorly because of the points Larry made, his consistency, then 
those are the trade chips to go out and get a big bat via trade. And so that's really what I'm thinking here is you lock in a guy who can be your strong two or strong three, whatever it is, and then you trade for a bat and slot some of these young guys into the bullpen a la Carlos Martinez and let them have a little more time to season against major league hitters. I, I think it's a win. And the other thing is the Mike Leak contract. Mike Leak got traded because he sucked and he was a diva. <laughs> let, let, you know, I mean, I understand that it was a salary dump. The front office, this organization, because of the things, Josh, that you mentioned, and because of clearing some of the Leak salary, can afford not only Lance Lynn, but a big bat and probably another free agent. They probably won't have the stomach to do it, but they certainly can afford it. And so the money shouldn't be a big issue here because we're still a ways away from that luxury tax number, even if you predict the higher end of the arbitration guys in salary. So that, that's my final take on it. But uh, great opinions, and thanks for the, the feedback. I, I learned something on that point. Can I say one quick thing? Um, I, 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 yes. There, I haven't agreed with everything that the team has done this year, and I think the way that they played uh, both the, the, the non-waiver deadline and the waiver deadline was absolutely absurd and ridiculous. And I also don't think they were particularly straight with what they did or didn't do. But that, that aside, you know, somebody said before, I don't remember if it was Christian or who, you know, that they may go ahead and sign Wayno because they're such homers, and, 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 and that's true. So I'm going to flip it and say, I'm actually rather proud of them that they're willing to that they're willing to say bye bye to Lynn, you know, because that's not a that's not a, um, a, a a place that they've they've always been, and 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 they're willing to make you know a statement about you know moving on from a guy who came all the way up through and with us, you know, onto a future that doesn't include him, and and I I think just for one I just think that's kind of a refreshing and relatively different kind of attitude for the team. So before we move on from the Lance Lynn topic, I want to get a quick answer from each of you, and we'll just go, without me uh, having to tell everybody which show, let's just go in the order. Uh, Christian, Larry, Dan, Ryan, just a quick answer to this. Uh, We've talked a lot about Lance Lynn, and we've talked a lot about potentially re-signing him. Let's just assume that this team does not intend to re-sign him, do they give him a qualifying offer, and should they? Um, hmm. do, you, do you know exactly how much the qualifying offer is? I believe it changes uh, per year, but million. it's usually right around 18. Million. Yeah. 18? Yeah. If it's that high, um... Well, I mean, if they're planning on getting a big bat this season, then, I mean, there's no way you can try and offer $18 million to a guy like Lance Lynn. If you're willing to wait, if you're looking at somebody in two years, um, then by all means. But, I mean, if you're looking for a guy like Stanton, if you're looking for, like, one of those big names that's on there right now, then there's no way you can just throw $18 million in the air at Lance Lynn. Go ahead, Larry. Oh, sorry. Um, yes, I think I, I, I would I would do it in a heartbeat um, for one year. I think um, you know the we don't know what the bottom of the rotation is going to look like la- next year. 
um, the one-year commitment is not a huge commitment, and I would do it. Dan? Yeah, uh, I don't think there's such a thing as a bad one-year deal, uh, and nor does the front office. If you want to try to recoup anything from Lance Lynn leaving in free agency. Now, under the new CBA rules, the calculus is a little different, right? He would have mm-hmm. to get a contract that's over $50 million bucks, I believe, in order to get the, the compensation pick uh, in or around the end of the first round. So you have to say, yes, he's going to get that much money to maximize the value of him walking. But I think he would. So my answer is yes, you qualifying offer him. If he takes it, you have a one-year deal with a, a known quantity who can slot in and be a mentor to the younger guys like a, like a John Lackey was. And if he doesn't, then you set yourself up for draft pick compensation and you get something for failing to pull the trigger and shipping him to Colorado, who, by the way, as I said, badly needs him right now. And everybody mocked me for the price I said it would take, and they may not make the playoffs because of it. So give them the qualifying offer. And Ryan? Well, first of all, as we sit here right now, I'm very glad that Lance Lynn did not go to Colorado because uh, (laughs) we may be the team that knocks Colorado out of the playoffs, and I don't really want them having any help right now. Uh, that being said, I absolutely give Lance Lynn the one-year the uh, qualifying offer because if he walks, um, you get the draft pick, and the Cardinals love their draft picks. And as we've seen recently, they draft very well. And if he takes that one-year deal, I like the idea of having Lance Lynn on a one-year deal, coming back, tying this team together, being that glue in the clubhouse, being a mentor, a bulldog for guys like Flaherty, Alcantara, um, Luke Weaver, at the major league level. So I don't think there's really a bad scenario in which you offer Lance Lynn the qualifying deal. Yeah, for me, I'm 100% in on the Cardinals offering him a qualifying offer. And basically I say that because I think that there's really zero chance that he signs it. Because when you look at the free agents that are going to be coming out, very, very top-heavy. I think that what could happen is on the teams who miss out on the Jake Arrieta or the U Darvish, they're going to be looking to go somewhere because after you get past those two, there's not a whole lot to be excited about. And when you just look at the pure consistency that Lance Lynn offers, someone's going to offer him a four-year contract, and he's going to eat that up because – he's not just going to sign a one-year prove-it deal when he's already proved it. Just looking at the list right now, I don't see a whole lot of teams shelling out big money for Marco Estrada, Jeremy Hellickson, Francisco Liriano, Tyson Ross, CeCe Sabathia, Chris Tillman. He's better than all these guys. I would say going in, he's the third best pitcher, and that's not even just based on consistency. I think that Arietta and Darvish both have better stuff, but I think a team is going to scoop him up. And <laughs> while while the pick compensation isn't as good as it used to be, it's still something since you didn't trade him. And in retrospect, 
that looks like that was a good call because you are knocking down the door of a playoff spot, and a lot of that has to go to him. But, guys, we have ten minutes left. So in these ten minutes, let's just do something that, you know, we've gotten pretty accustomed to on this podcast. Um, Give me your top five NL power rankings and just second part, do the Cardinals make the playoffs? Let's just start with the order. Christian, give me an answer to those two questions. Hmm. Well, let's see. In terms of the power rankings, um, I would probably say, I mean, based on what they've, how they've been playing, I think you've got to go probably the Nationals at one and the Dodgers at two, simply based on the fact that Dodgers have – basically crashed tailspun harder than a freaking Amelia Earhart. Um, <laughs> those are, I mean, unequivocally, you would have to say the two tops. Um, Arizona, I'd say, would probably be three. I mean, they're still very steadily hanging in. They've got 147 run difference, which is actually better than the Nationals. So they've got – I mean, Ray has been great this year. He's still very consistent. I believe he's pitching tomorrow. Um, I think that they're definitely on – they're still playing well on the right on the right path. Um, I would have to say the Cardinals get the next spot um, just off the way they're playing. They've just been going – playing really well recently. They've brought up their run difference up to 80. Uh, I mean, they've been winning – all sorts of games, and I would guess um, the last spot for the top five would go to, I mean, it's obviously between Milwaukee and Colorado, but I guess I would go with, I mean, Colorado has, despite losing, I mean, they're still playing pretty well, so I think I'll stick with Colorado. And as for the Cardinals making the playoffs, I would have to go with, I think that they will win these I think they will get the better end of these series against the Cubs. So I do think that they will make the playoffs, but I really do think it will come down to of these last seven games against the Chicago Cubs, who wins out or who gets more out of it. All good points. Larry, what's, what's your opinion? Uh, Put the nationals one right now, given the way that the Dodgers have played, it's been a shock, but, I, I am putting the D-backs ahead of the Dodgers right now, and then I'm putting the Dodgers, and then I'm putting um, the Cubs. And for the last spot, I'll put the Cardinals over both the Brewers and Rockies. I know run differential isn't everything or even the main thing, but you look at the run differential for both the Brewers and Rockies, and it is truly astounding <laughs> that they're where they are. Um, and I give them credit for it. Um, I, I think I think they're both good teams, but I think the Cardinals right now are a slightly more balanced team than either um, and have the pitching advantage. And so I would put the Cardinals uh, ahead of them, and I would pick the Cardinals um, eking, eking into the playoffs. If you had told me today, you know, that today the Cardinals would be exactly as many games out of first place as they are out of the wild card, I would have snorted derisively, and I think it's pretty funny. But I think we have a darn good shot now. Dan, what do you? What's your take? 
my, my top five power rankings are the exact same as Larry's, so I won't repeat them. Um, I think the Cardinals make the playoffs. And, guys, i got to be honest with you, it's going to be in large part due to me. Um, I'm going to be at the game to both tomorrow and Saturday, and I might go Sunday because I'm feeling crazy. And when I'm in Wrigley, we win, and it's that simple. So I, I would look for at least two out of three, depending on if I make the Sunday game this weekend. And the Cardinals are going to win the division because the Cubs pitching is just – they're not healthy. And it's not going to happen after that much pitching the last few seasons. So Milwaukee's going to fade into the sunset. Sorry if you're a fan. And, and that's where I stand on it. Dan, that's kind of a – that's a bold claim. You're putting yourself at a little bit of risk now. Yeah, no, I. but, uh, you know, past performance sometimes predicts future performance, so I'm going off of that. I, I respect the confidence. I really hope you're right. Ryan, why don't you uh, give us your rankings and if the Cardinals are going to make the postseason. My National League power rankings, uh, I have the Nationals number one, Diamondbacks number two, uh, the Dodgers number three, Cardinals number four, and Cubs number five. I think the Cardinals do make the playoffs, and I'm going to take it a step further than everybody. I think they will take – I think they'll take six out of seven against the Cubs down the stretch, and they'll win the Central. We went from confident to just flat-out bold. I like it. Um, my power rankings vary from you guys, and I don't think I'm going to make any friends with my power rankings at this point in time, but – I'm going to have to put the Nationals first because of, you know, the Dodgers' absolute fall-off, which has been astounding to watch. Um, I'm going to follow that up with with Arizona. I mean, let's look at just the steal they got in J.D. Martinez. They gave up essentially nothing for that guy, and he has been an absolute monster lately. What a great deal for them. And their pitching has been solid. I think they have a lot of chances to really make a lot of noise in the playoffs. I'm going to follow that up with the Dodgers just based on their record and their, you know, their talent. They have it there. I'm not sure what's been going on. I really had more expectations of them to do something to the Rockies. Unfortunately, that didn't happen. Uh, four, I'm going to go with the Cubs because they're leading the Central. And, again, just the talent that's on that team, can't deny it. Unfortunately, Cardinals are not in my, my, my rankings. Uh, number five is going to Colorado because they keep winning. They have faced two division opponents back-to-back now, and – They've been winning far more than I expected in these games. I really thought that by this point, if the Cardinals kept winning, they'd at least be tied for the wild card. But something keeps happening for them that the teams they're facing are completely underperforming. I will say just outside of that, uh, the Cardinals are my number six team, and they're right, right there. Um, but I will say I do think that they make the playoffs. I hope I'm not, you know, being too biased, but what can you do? 
I really think that something's going to happen here. I think this weekend they take two of three and they keep their winning ways. They're going to be on the backs of the young guys. And I think that this weekend the pitching is going to lean to the side of the Cardinals and they're going to do a great job of shutting down what is a very talented lineup. With that being said, I'm going to wrap us up here. We got a little bit over a minute left. So what do you guys think of uh, your first podcast? Loved it. I thought Larry was great. <laughs> I thought Larry was great too. Um, I also thought Larry was great. <laughs> Tito, and I think Tito we can all agree. I can. I think we can all agree that Tito's the worst, and it, we're all glad that he took the night off and let me take hosting duties. Um, here, here. But, <laughs> but you know, guys, uh, I'm sure we all have article ideas. So if you're listening. Check out RedbirdRanch.com. Uh, take a look. These guys are putting out great stuff. Always informative. Always really fun to read. So with that being said, I'm going to wrap us up here. So thank you for listening to the official Redbird Ranch podcast. Be sure to check us out at RedbirdRanch.com. See us back here again next week. We have our short show on Tuesday, and we'll have our another roundtable discussion on Thursday, hopefully we'll see some of these guys again. With that being said, go Cards, beat those Cubbies. Oh.